Welcome everybody to another episode of the Can Mayonnaise Kill a Jedi podcast. I am your main host, the Artificial Dragon. I'm your co-host, Darth Salim. And welcome to the 43rd episode of the podcast, everybody. We're almost um, at 50. Yeah. Um, before we go into the Patreon and all that, happy birthday to me. It is happy officially birthday, <laughs> um, by the time of recording of this episode, it will be August 25th, which is officially the day of my birth. Yay, me. <laughs> Yay, happy birthday. <laughs> yeah, as George Lopez will say, it's just one more year closer to death. Unfortunately. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, happy birthday to me. Now, with that personal thing aside, um, in the next couple of weeks, it will be the second year anniversary of the Can Mayonnaise Kill a Jedi podcast. Yep. And, we and then will, next month will be my birthday. Yeah, it will be your birthday next month, which is always very serendipitous. Yep. All, both of our uh, birthdays are close sync and everything. Yep. Um, but yeah, aside from Hannah's birthday, we'll be uploading a very special episode um, one that Hannah doesn't know about, which will be very enlightening for you. Um, I'm interested, because he's not telling me anything. Yeah, I'm kind of doing the more secretive approach, because we're approaching my turn in the episodes right now, and mm-hmm. I want to make it spe- super duper special, since it's two years in this podcast. Fair enough. Um, Is it the Mandalorians? No, not Mandalorians. <laughs> we're not popular enough for the Mandalorians yet. <laughs> But I we might I, get there. I we I'd might take get there. A crack at it. <laughs> but no, it's not Mandalorian. Check back in like five years or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> if we're still doing this after five years, yeah, we'll be we'll be retired by then. After all of that, after we did every lore detail in Star Wars, then boom, Mandalorians will be the last thing we'll ever do for this podcast. <laughs> oh God. Anyway, moving on to yes, yes, yes. Assets. I got sidetracked a little bit there. Anyway, so. Thank you, everybody, for supporting our podcast. We have a Patreon at patreon.com slash canmail. Once again, that is patreon.com slash canmail. And for our highest tier, um, which is a smuggler tier of $10, uh, you'll have a uh, wonderful Patreon art piece, which shows fan service versions of your favorite characters. And since by the time of his recording it will be the 31st of august or if i'm especially like the first of september um we have a special art piece which i'm going to share with you hannah i was gonna say did we get a new one yeah we i commissioned a new one you haven't seen this I haven't one seen yet, this one yet. <laughs> but give me a minute if i could find the motherfucker um while staring into <laughs> man's beautiful eyes his beautiful eyes but yes um so for all of our patreons you have this to look forward to which is one of hannah's most favorite husbando characters specifically uh darf mar (laughs) (laughs) holy shit he looks so weird without his armor on hey at least the mask stays on (laughs) I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, this is I love li- it. This is literally Hannah's very first exposure to that new Patreon art piece. I love it. <laughs> and it's if it's not obvious, Darth Mar is preparing to have uh, nice little negotiations with a certain somebody, but keeping the mask on as he always does. <laughs> 
I love it. He looks so weird without his armor. <laughs> but he's got that uh he's got that six pack going on yes, down there. Yes, he does. <laughs> I expected him to be buffer. Yeah. Maybe the armor is just what gives him the small... <laughs> He's got the giant uh football shoulders and everything. And the spikes. Football players, yeah. <laughs> but anyway. anyway. But yeah, um, so yeah, that's uh, that month's art piece, or September, more specifically. Um, if you're right, not early in- birthday present for me, <laughs> awesome. yeah, exactly. Happy birthday to you too. <laughs> Thank you. But anyway, um, back to <laughs> back on topic again. Um, if you're not interested in a shirtless but masked Sith Lords, um. You have a choice of contributing to the other tiers of a podcast, the lowest being $2 and the mid being $5. But whichever tier you contribute to, you'll always have instant access to our Discord server, where you could have a general chat with us, talk about general Star Wars lore, share memes, or give us episode recommendations here and there. Yeah, come talk to us. It's nice to actually talk to people. Yeah, it is pretty nice to uh, talk to a good amount of people, especially with their collections and their uh, OCs every once in a while. Oh, yeah. I like seeing OCs. I like seeing the creative aspect of people who are also involved in this. Yeah, exactly. And before I forget, I'm going to do a shout out for all the smugglers that have contributed uh, to the podcast currently. Um, let me see. Uh, I wish I prepared for this, but I am not that kind of person, it seems. Uh, <laughs> oh, god damn. Um, could have sworn I had it somewhere. Alright, quick pause on this. Okay, here we go. Didn't take me too long at all. Okay, so for all the smugglers that have contributed to the podcast, um, we have Cameron Lee, Elia Gestapi, Kenneth Young, Leon Fat the Fourth and Tristan H. Thank you guys for contributing to the Smugglers tier and for supporting our podcast for the past couple of years. Thank you so much. Yeah, and without further ado, um, I don't think I have too much. Uh, well, aside from the Asoga TV show, but we haven't watched that yet. So semantics. Really um, quick, blog and GoFundMe link are in the description. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Quick, quick plug for Hannah over there. I almost forgot. But anyway, um, that's the, <laughs> we took it too much of the intro for now. Um, so, Hannah, I'm pretty sure you know what today's uh, episode is going to be about. Yeah, I know who we're going to be talking about. Indeed. Um, but before we dive into him, let me give you a nice little quote from the good old chap himself. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> It matters which side we choose, even if there will never be more light than darkness, even if there will be no more joy in the galaxy, then there is pain. For every action we undertake, for every word we speak, for every life we touch, it matters. I don't turn toward the light because it means someday I'll win some sort of cosmic game. I turn toward it because it is the light. And that is from... Qui-Gon Jinn himself. Qui-Gon! <laughs> We're talking about one of my favorite fucking Jedi! Yeah, and not only because he's played by Liam Neeson, right? Well, a little bit because he's played <laughs> by Liam Neeson, but... Hey, it's the first, like, real Jedi I got to see in the prequels. Yeah, that is very true. I've a nice little window into what the Jedi are supposed to be like, uh, especially with the uh, introduction of Phantom Menace and everything. Oh, yeah. Because with the original trilogy, um, of course we got Obi-Wan and Yoda, but we didn't know the true context of what the Jedi were like back in their heyday. Yeah. And Qui-Gon was a good example of that. Yeah. 
he's the perfect example. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, Qui-Gon, uh, when I was doing, as is normal for every uh, movie character that I dive into. Research! Yay! Excuse um, me, I keep burping. Yeah. Um, Qui-Gon has a good amount of meat to I'm sure story. he does. <laughs> uh, for Legends, anyway. Um, canon Qui-Gon, he's got a couple of stories here and there, but it doesn't dive into his childhood too much. I mean, it does explore the uh, the connection he has with Dooku and the novels and everything. Mm-hmm. And especially uh, that one episode of Tales of a Jedi and everything. Oh, yeah. That and Dooku Jedi Lost. Yeah. Um, I only listened good, to... Good play, by the way. Yeah, it is a really good book. Um, I've listened a little bit of the audio series of the Dooku novel, which gives a good insight of Dooku's childhood and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's not too much canon information on Qui-Gon. I mean, of course, uh, his homeworld was Coruscant. It might be mentioned a couple of times here and there. Oh, okay. But, um, yeah, Qui-Gon has a lot more meat on him in Legends. Oh, I'm sure he does. Yeah, and like I, like I've been doing with the Padme episode, uh, the Grievous episode, uh, Hanu Onaka, I'm obviously not going to be diving into every minuscule detail of like Qui-Gon's before, life. This is the Cliff Notes version of Wikipedia. Yeah, exactly. So I'm just going to go through the more notable, fun, the no, more notable stories and the uh, the more interesting aspects of his story and everything. Yep. So anyway, before I prattle on anymore. Um, so Qui-Gon, he was born 92 years before the Battle of Yavin. Okay. Um, and in, uh, in Legends, anyway, his planet doesn't have a name. He just comes from some terrestrial world out there in the galaxy. It makes sense to have him born on Coruscant. I mean, yeah, but, uh, there are a couple of, uh, nice little details that, uh, well, anyway, um... In canon, however, he was born 80 years before the Battle of Yavin. Oh, so he was younger. A little bit younger. I think they kind of changed his birth date to match with Liam Neeson's age during um, filming of Phantom Menace. That's fair. Because, yeah, if I remember correctly, uh, Qui-Gon was... uh, Let me actually make a quick calculation because I didn't put it down in here. Um... When in Legends, he was 60 years old when he was killed by Maul. Oh. But he was still pretty good looking for a 60-year-old man. Yeah, but in uh, canon, he was 48 when he got killed by Maul. Oh, shit. He was young. Fairly young. I mean, it kind of makes sense of the context of the actor, but I think of him dying at 60 provides a better context for his story and everything. Yeah, a little bit. Because this guy has been through a lot, let's I'm just sure say. he has. <laughs> But anyway, let, before I prattle on any more on details, um, so I'm going to do a majority of the story in Legends. I'm kind of going to incorporate details from canon here and there because it actually melds together perfectly well in this case. Okay. So anyway, um, so he was born 92 years before the Battle of Yavin, and it was said in the first six months after his birth, he was identified as a Force-sensitive and would be taken from his parents to train at the Jedi Temple. You know, classic Jedi stuff. Yep. Um, and then he would join uh, what is called the Heliost Clan, where he was taught the ways of lightsaber combat by a Jedi by the name of Tara Sunubi. Tara Sunubi? Tara Sunubi. So yeah, he's, she's there probably from the novel you're talking about. Yeah. And I think he also, they, 
he, she, they, I don't remember <laughs> their gender, but they yeah. show up in the Clone Wars. Yep, yep. Um, so, yeah, okay. He, Qui-Gon would maintain some ties with his home planet as he obtained a smooth, uh, force-sensitive stone from a location called the River of Light. A force-sensitive stone? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> what? I don't think it's like the stone itself can use the force, it's just... It has a aura of force sensitivity around it. Okay. Think of it as like a magic item, but in Star Wars. Okay. If that makes it's any not sense. Like, it's not like Ruffles the Porg being force sensitive. <laughs> no, no, that would be Frickium because he's technically a stone that's force sensitive. Oh, good lord. <laughs> but yeah, um, at the age of eight, Qui-Gon and his fellow younglings would participate in a training exercise over one of Coruscant's uh, lakes where the younglings would scale a nearby cliff with cable launchers several times in a row to learn how to keep their balance and everything. Okay. Um, the class was to repeat this same exercise a week after, but without the cables. And, of course, under the supervision of a Jedi Master. Well, duh. <laughs> Who would let children do that by themselves? Yeah, exactly. Um, Qui-Gon, however... Um, he was kind of a more adventurous and impatient type when he, when he was younger. Mm -hmm. Um, he could not wait another week and he would remain at the lake kind of contemplating like, should I jump off of a cliff? Should I meditate or something like that? Um, his thoughts were soon interrupted by a young girl from his class. And it was a uh, female Nurian. Before you ask, a Nurian is basically a, uh, a uh, near human race. Okay. Um, the One only of the fucking many that are in <laughs> The only distinction is that they have, uh, instead of like uh, pupils like you and I have, they had, just have stripes on their eyes. Okay. I know, it's a weird distinction, but uh, yeah. That's, that's very weird. Yeah. Um, but this Nurian uh, girl, her name was uh, Tal. Um, Tal would playfully dare Qui-Gon to race her to the top of a cliff. You know, just a classic, like, oh, if you're so brave, why don't you go ahead and race me up a cliff? Mm -hmm. And Qui-Gon accepted the challenge. However, he was humbled by the young girl who beat him up to the top of a cliff. And even though Qui-Gon was kind of embarrassed, he kind of hid it from this girl. And he was like, huh, good one. <laughs> And both of them would jump off of a cliff into the lake below together. Cool. And, you know, they would just have nice little times together, just swimming together, playfully, uh, you know, the usual thing that uh, young children would do together. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, um, Tal would detect a certain somebody that was approaching them and not wanting to get in trouble for not meditating or following the rest of a class. Both Qui-Gon and Tao would hide behind a rock. Mm -hmm. And a certain somebody just so happened to be Master Yoda himself. Oh, shit. And Master Yoda, he was just probably chilling. Just... <laughs> yep. And he would just walk by the stone without noticing either of them. And knowing Yoda, he probably knew that they were there anyway, but he decided not to prattle in on their fun or anything like that. Cool. Yeah, and... Uh, both Qui-Gon and Tao would become best friends from that day forward. That's cool. Um, they would become... They they would do almost everything together. Like, uh, they, they, as most friends would do, 
they have fights, which eventually culminate in them having physical brawls and everything like mm-hmm. that. But eventually they would make up and stay best friends. Yeah. And Tao made a promise that no matter what happens, they will always stay friends and everything. Typical, you know, friend story in every yeah. movie. Yeah, they they had this legitimately close bond. Kind of like uh, what you see with both Anakin and Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. But I would reckon a little bit closer, actually. Romance. <laughs> But anyway, um, so by the time Qui-Gon was 10 years old, he became one of the most promising students of a Jedi temple. Mm-hmm. Um, and one day, um, there is this event called Exhibition Day. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that's in that novel that... Uh, I'll have to read it, Pat. I'll have to read over it again. Because well, okay. I don't remember. Yeah, no worries. Uh, basically, Exhibition Day is... Is basically a time where Padawans and initiates of any age were meant to perform exercises while masters would watch from afar and everything. Like, they would do, um, you know, balance tests, endurance tests, climbing, jumping, and swimming. You know, just mm-hmm. to show off their physical prowess and everything. Mm-hmm. And the last exercise that these uh, younglings would participate in would be a lightsaber tournament. Obviously, it's not real lightsabers, it's just it's practice lightsabers. Yeah. Um, and Qui-Gon, he excelled in this tournament. Like, he defeated all challengers that, uh, challenged him and everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, he did so well, he actually came to the finals. That's cool. And uh, his last opponent would be his best friend, Tal. Cool. And both Tal and um, Qui-Gon, they knew each other's move, like the back of their hand. Uh-huh. And these two friends would engage in... A lengthy lightsaber duel that caught the attention of pretty much every other master in the room. Just, wow, look at those two going at it. Yeah. And, uh, the, and it just keep going on and on and on. And eventually, um, Qui-Gon would actually win by a brief margin. Because the only reason Qui-Gon won was because Tal, um, she briefly slipped on her own sweat on the floor. And then Qui-Gon just tripped her and oh, just shit. submit. <laughs> and Tal was all like, uh, good job, Qui-Gon. I should have won that. You sh- you know that. And Qui-Gon's like, yeah, but I still won. Mm-hmm. And which, we we all know what master yeah. him as an apprentice. Yeah, due to his skill, his, his excellent skill in lightsaber combat, obviously he's going to attract the attention of one of the best duelists of a Jedi temple at the time. Count Dooku. Yeah, Dooku himself. And yeah, um, Dooku, he, we all know this, Dooku is the apprentice of Master Yoda, and he had larger ambitions to, be the, to become the greatest Jedi of all time and everything. Dooku, he kind of had the same mentality of Anakin back in the day. Yeah. Um, he was kind of... Uh, Just how Exar Kun was the Anakin of his day. Pretty much, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, even though it was seen as this huge privilege to be selected by the apprentice of a Grand Master himself, Qui-Gon was initially intimidated by Dooku. Makes sense. Because... Um, even though Dooku was in his 20s, and I think uh, Qui-Gon was like 10 at this point, mm-hmm. um, he saw Dooku as basically this outspoken and in- unconventional teacher. Like, he was pretty harsh towards Qui-Gon. Oof. Yeah. Well, he is an asshole that way, so. Yeah. <laughs> though, just, 
Interestingly enough, despite their lack of a close connection, Jin and his master did enjoy recre recreational activities together, such as what is called Smash Ball. Smash Ball? I, uh, I reckon it's like basically basketball, but in Star Wars. Okay. But uh, yeah, uh, Qui-Gon considered playing Smash Ball against Dooku to be a very easy victory. Because I, I just imagine it's like the equivalent of a young kid playing basketball against this 90-year-old or something. But he would still be like 20. Yep. <laughs> That's funny. It is so funny. Um, I'm not sure if it's like... I'm pretty sure it's from a... Uh, uh, a Jedi guidebook and everything, but <laughs> um, so uh, I came across this quote where uh, Dooku's talking about uh, man smash ball maneuvers. Uh -huh. I'm just imagining this in Dooku's voice. Thom knows little about smash ball. A five point defense means nothing in the face of Beblo's blitz. <laughs> that came from a man's mouth himself. That <laughs> I just. Confusion. <laughs> confusion. I mean, considering that his actor uh, <laughs> participated in a rock band. And he was a trained fencer, yep. a swordsman. Yep. Uh, rest in peace, Christopher Lee. <laughs> but yeah, apparently Dooku was a uh, hit smash ball player every once in a while. Okay. <laughs> I'm just imagining Dooku in sneakers and shorts and everything trying to okay. be... Hey, fellow kids, what's going on over here? <laughs> By the way, away from Dooku shenanigans. Um, Dooku and Qui-Gon would do countless missions together, as, you know, is customary of, of masters and apprentices. Yep. Um, by the time Qui-Gon was 14, um, he would make even more friends in his journeys, such as a man by the name of Deddy Odie who was the owner of Deddy's Cafe on Coruscant, which would eventually become... Dexter's. De yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, he was a well-known informant amongst the Jedi, and the two would become extremely close friends. That's cool. Like, uh, even though the dude has sketchy connections with the criminal underworld, Qui-Gon completely trusted him. He had no care about his food, but he still trusted him. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. It's so funny. But yeah, it's it's nice to know that Qui-Gon legitimately loved making these kind of connections when he was younger. Yeah, he's a bro. He is an absolute bro. Um, Though, one fateful mission, he and Dooku would be assigned to escort a prominent senator through a sector of space which has been highly a highly contested territory for piracy and shit. Okay. Um... <laughs> and these certain pirates have been known to kidnap... Um, you know, politicians to take them in for ransom. So basically what Hondo did to Dooku many years later. Ironic. <laughs> um, in this journey, the group would stumble upon another ship just drifting in space very ominously, and it was emitting a distress call which produced the voice of a young girl who claimed to be the daughter of another senator. Okay. That, uh, that, <laughs> um... They I can't confirm if they were kidnapped, but they were meant to meet somewhere, but they didn't check in or anything like that. Okay. And initially, Dooku was kind of suspicious because, you know, it's a well-known territory of pirates and everything. But Qui-Gon was all like, we need to rescue that girl. We need to save her and all that because, mm -hmm. you know, he's he's a bro. He's He's got to go in and save the day and everything. Yep, be um, the hero. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, though... um. 
<laughs> um, Dooku had a good right to be suspicious because it was ultimately a trap by a pirate gang. <laughs> and it wasn't found out until a little bit later, but the voice that they heard on the distress call, it was actually a recording from a girl before she was killed a couple of days earlier. Oh, shit. Yep. So Qui-Gon had to learn the hard way that you can't save everybody. Oof. And then in the that same sucks. in the same mission, um, he and his master would investigate this uh company. Um and after a little bit of investigating, they found out that the company, um so this company kind of works with his pirate gang to install security systems for senators and all that. Okay. And in reality, those security systems were basically bogus, allowing the pirates to abduct their asses. Okay. And the same company, um, they would use uh, illegal child labor. Oh, yay, child slavery! Yay! <laughs> slavery on minors! <laughs> um, and, uh, as they were investigating more and more, um, the leader behind this pirate gang was this uh, individual by the name of Leron Nod. Um, and it turned out that Liron Nod is a failed Padawan who used to be Dooku's childhood friend. Oh. Um, long story short, um, he Aside and... Aside from Stifodius. <laughs> long story short, um, Dooku and Nod, um, they were close, but, uh, they went to an off-limits location of a Jedi temple, and, uh, Dooku decided to tattletale on him. Oh, and uh, they have this bitter rivalry ever since, and he became a failed Padawan and got kicked out. I think there's another character like that who's his rival in the Jedi Lost. Yeah, yeah. Play, book, whatever. It's a play, but it's in the form of a book. Yeah, I gotcha. Okay. Anyway, so uh, Dooku, very understandably pissed that his uh, childhood friend would, you know, turn to piracy and everything. Um, He and Qui-Gon got captured because uh, initially Dooku wanted to fight, but Qui-Gon... Knowing that the facility that they're in contained a lot of, you know, child laborers and they didn't want to get killed in the middle of uh, this gunfight and everything. Yeah. Um, they got taken in. Um, and then, long story short, Dooku got out of his restraints and had a duel with his old friend and everything. Mm. He was just blinded by his pure rage, succumbing to the dark side and everything. Mm. And Qui-Gon could do nothing but watch as he was still restrained and everything. It was like, quite... Uh, Master Dooku, stop what you're doing and let me out of here. And he won in his duel against his friend. And as he was about to strike him down, it was only then that Qui-Gon's voice managed to break him out of his stupor and everything. Okay. And then he freed him and took his uh, old childhood friend in for justice and everything. Yep. It, it does have a... It's very reminiscent of that episode from... I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. just like the Tales of the, the episode in Tales of the Jedi. Yeah, exactly that. I, I wouldn't doubt if Dave Filoni took hints of his story for that episode. It sounds like it, yeah, but it just twist, twist the story differently. Very differently. Instead of a corrupt senator, it's one of his uh, old childhood friends. Yep. <laughs> and then after they, were, they brought the dude into justice and go back to the Jedi Temple... Um, they would have this nice little conversation where Dooku was all, like, uh, giving him advice and everything like that. Um, asked him what he learned from the mission. And here's a little exchange that I thought was interesting. Mm -hmm. Dooku, so what did you learn from the mission, Padawan? Many things. Name the most important one, then. That you will withhold facts from me that I need to know. <laughs> it's called out on his bullshit. Yeah. 
Um, and even though Dooku did point out one more valuable lesson. Mm -hmm. The day will come when Qui-Gon's friends and those closest to him will betray him. In this... Excuse me again. Yeah. Legends continuity again? Yep, Legends continuity. Okay. I, I, I get most of my knowledge from canon, so yeah. <laughs> Legends is still very confusing and uncharted territory for me. Uh, just to give you a, a fair amount of context, Dooku, he's kind of a cynical, um, I wouldn't say old man, he's still in his 20s, but he's kind of cynical, um, because, you know, his uh, old childhood friend tattletailed, and Dooku had to tell the truth, and got him expelled mm -hmm. from the Jedi Temple, um, he just doesn't believe in personal relationships, you just have to Believe in your own power and your own self-worth and everything like that. Everybody else that you quote-unquote make friends with will just hold you back. It sounds like uh, the same way in canon. Yeah. Like with the Dooku lost, or Jedi lost. Yeah. Because, you know, the family drama. <laughs> Read that book. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, it's so good from what I've uh, briefly heard at work. Um, but yeah, um, sometime later after this incident... Qui-Gon and Dooku would engage in one last mission together. One that would last two years. Two years? Yep. Um, but afterwards, they were very wary and exhausted, obviously. <laughs> and they re both returned back to the Jedi Temple, where Qui-Gon would be ready to undergo the trials of knighthood and everything. Uh -huh. um, and out of the steps of a Jedi Temple, um, Qui-Gon's childhood friend... Tal would be there waiting for him. And, uh, you know, the two would give each other a nice, heartwarming hug and everything. Like, oh, it's nice to see you again, Qui-Gon. It's been so long, blah, blah, blah. And Dooku's just in the background, and he just scoffs at that relationship. Of course he does. Cynical bastard. Yeah. Yeah, like, uh, um, it's kind of ironic, because <laughs> if you remember in Attack of the Clones, he makes that big deal that Qui-Gon would join my side if he was still around, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's no, kind he of, wouldn't have. Yeah, it's always, it always struck me, because Dooku does not believe in personal relationships, yet he Supposedly. always... Supposedly. Yeah, but at the same time, he kind of values his relationship with Qui-Gon a lot yeah, more. Yeah, he saw Qui-Gon as a son. Yeah, pretty much. Um... But anyway, um, as they were walking up the steps of a Jedi temple, Dooku would commend his apprentices, for he shared the true qualities of what it meant to be a Jedi Knight. Mm. But he reminded him that his weakness was his trust and connection to other people. Reminding him that in the end, betrayal will always be inevitable. Okay. <laughs> and then at the age of 20... Qui-Gon would pass his trials and become a Jedi Knight. And not too long after, Tal would also become a Jedi Knight. So Dooku would be 30 by now. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Um, even though they were close friends, by the time they became Jedi Knights, they were pretty busy. And they couldn't properly congratulate each other on each on becoming Jedi Knights and everything. Mm -hmm. And they had to go down their own separate paths and everything. Mm -hmm. And uh, after his knighthood, Qui-Gon kept very little contact with Dooku from that point onwards. I mean, they would do a couple of missions together, but mostly Qui-Gon just wanted to distance himself away from Dooku. That's like, I'm an, I'm a, I'm an adult now, quote-unquote. I gotta Pretty do much. my own shit. Yeah, and uh, he didn't exactly appreciate... I mean, of course, he appreciated Dooku's training methods, 
because it got him where he is right now. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, he always told himself, if I ever get myself an apprentice, I'm not doing his teaching methods. <laughs> he becomes an asshole to Obi-Wan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, eventually, though, um, Qui-Gon... Okay, before I continue a story, let me tell you uh, what Qui-Gon is capable of, both okay. in lightsaber combat and force abilities okay. and everything. The, the obligatory power scaling and everything. Um, so Qui-Gon was proclaimed as one of the Order's finest duelists, even showing great talent in lightsaber combat as a mere trainee. Mm-hmm. Um, his skill was even more refined under the tutelage of Dooku, who he himself, of course, was a master swordsman. Yep. Um, aside from Dooku, Qui-Gon would have the honor of sparring with the creator of the pod, Mace Windu himself, a couple of times. Nice. So he has a lot of uh, nice little um, experience so he, he's under his able belt. to hold himself in a fight. Pretty at, much, At least yeah. a lightsaber fight. Yeah. Um, which which makes sense when he goes up against Darth Maul several years later. Yeah, he was able to. Yeah. But Maul used a dirty trick to kill him. <laughs> yeah. Um, he is a skilled master of form for Ataru, which is the fighting style that Master Yoda uses. Yep. Um, and he is known as one of the form's greatest masters. Um, interestingly, though, he he didn't exactly use Ataru's acrobatic fighting style, as he was more focused on its wide slashes and swift strikes. Yeah, you don't see him jumping around like Yoda. Did. Yeah, exactly. He's well, like okay. At that point, he was pretty old, but back then, he's probably not that old. But he probably didn't want to do acrobatics <laughs> and show off. Yoda's small enough to jump around and do that. Yeah, Quite exactly. Not so much. Um, he was such a good master that um, he could actually easily deal with blaster wielding assailants, which is one of Ataru's main weaknesses. Nice. Yeah. Um, though under Dooku's tutelage, it is kind of reasonable to assume that he had some skill in. Form two Makashi? Probably, because his master was a master of Makashi. Yep. <laughs> One of my favorite forms, by the way. Yeah. Even though he didn't master the form, he was familiar enough in the form to use it in several of his light own lightsaber sequences. That's cool. Yeah. Um he is also adopt at uh form other forms of lightsaber combat, such as Form 1, Shi Cho, um, Form 3, Sarisu, and Form 5 Shien, which is the fighting style that Anakin uses. Nice. And he has a little bit of experience with Form 6 Nyman. Um, he mostly used that to help Obi-Wan train in the form and everything. Um, at some point... See the it, lightsaber form episode. Yeah, it's so good. Um, or the lightsaber episode. I have so many quotes of that episode. It's so good. Yep. <laughs> at some point in his training, Qui-Gon would attempt to use a whip. Oh, oh Wow. Yeah, he was uh, secretly a dominatrix, it seemed. <laughs> oh, my God. But uh, he f- at first he found it confusing as the weapon tangles easily. Yeah, see but, why. Though eventually he became better and more proficient in the weapon, eventually adopting other weapons such as light whips and vibro whips. I was going to say, light whips are a thing. That's cool. Yeah. Um, I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just picturing Qui-Gon has a, uh, fedora on. He's basically he, Indiana Jones. I was gonna Jones. say, he's the Indiana Jones <laughs> of this franchise. <laughs> nice little, nice little nod to Spielberg from Lucas, though. Yeah, it is pretty cool, though. Um, Qui-Gon is also known, uh, aside from Qui-Gon's skill with a lightsaber, his connection to the Force was much more profound. Um, 
Being a philosophical warrior, he focused on what is called the living force, a method of focusing on the movement of a force instead of contemplating the force in all of its degrees. So basically, he's more of the going with the flow sort of guy. Yeah. Instead of focusing <laughs> on the future and the past sort of he guy. Sounds like a gr- he sounds like a hippie. Well, yeah. <laughs> Compared to Dooku, who's all, you know, cynical and too, like, on the line, Dooku's, Dooku's and, like, you know, this stoic, stern guy, and then yeah. Qui-Gon's just this hippie child, like, hey, let's go, let's go. <laughs> Qui-Gon is the literal embodiment of, fuck you, dad. <laughs> a little bit. No, just a little bit. Um... It has also been theorized that such an ability could have been used to prevent Palpatine's rise to power. As the Jedi focused on the exterior threat of the Separatists instead of looking within. Damn it. (laughs) But Qui-Gon was already dead by then. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. Damn it. Also, it's kind of a... If only he had lived! (laughs) It's also kind of an interesting aspect because you always hear of a term when... Everything is related to Qui-Gon. He's labeled as a great Jedi yeah. by both the fan base and the Jedi Council, I believe. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> the G- great Jedi in context of Qui-Gon isn't exactly a uh, mixture of both light side and dark side. For Qui-Gon, it's more of a fact that he just plays by his own rules instead yeah. of following the will of the High Council. Yeah. He does whatever the fuck he wants, not Pretty because much. of the fact he's Liam fucking Neeson. Yeah. Um, it's also kind of interesting because I remember multiple members of a Jedi Order fought Qui-Gon would have been a great member of a Jedi High Council. He would have been. Yeah, he's got the sage advice and everything. But I think it's understandable that he doesn't want to take that kind of position because, you know, political maneuvering and everything. Yeah, that sounds accurate for Qui-Gon. <laughs> But yeah, um, where was I? Okay, um, he is skilled in telekinesis, and he has been known to knock away enemies with a single force push, mm. swerve blasters in other directions to throw off people's aim, and dismantle droids. He is also skilled in the saber throw technique. Mm-hmm. He is even skilled with mind trick abilities. Of course he is. Yeah, as you... You try that on Watto, and it doesn't work. Yeah, it didn't work, but he did it on Boss Ness, and that actually worked. Yep. (laughs) Um, You want to know how powerful his mind trick ability is? How powerful is it? He once mind tricked a hut. I can't even do that. (laughs) Liel cannot even do that. What the fuck? Yeah, which is goddamn impressive because of a... That's very impressive. Yeah, because the huts are renowned for their resistance to mind tricks that basically border on immunity. Yeah. And Qui-Gon just, let me pass, bitch. Okay. <laughs> the only other time I've seen someone be able to bypass a mind trick in Swator yeah. is Kaleo Janis. When you, ah, when you yeah. meet her again on Zakul, when oh, she yeah. becomes Firebrand, she has a little implant in her head where if someone tries to mind trick her, it electrocutes her. Hmm. I guess that's one way to do it. That's one way to do it, but... <laughs> no, no, my favorite one is one, uh, I forget the Jedi Master's name, but when he tries to do that on the Bounty Hunter character, and the Bounty Hunter's like, you will see how much of a complete idiot you are. The Padawan's just like, Master! <laughs> it's like, it didn't work! It didn't work! What do we that do? Was fu- that was one of the funniest parts of the Bounty Hunter story. Oh, yeah. They're so good. Especially when you beat the crap out of an Alderaan noble. Yep. <laughs> But anyway, back to anyway. Qui-Gon. Um, he, is also, he is also known to use the meditative technique called Serenity, 
um, which gives him a boost of strength and focus. And if you notice, um, he used that ability when he and uh, Maul were briefly separated in Vada Ratio Room. Yeah. That's uh, when he was meditating. That's his, uh, his uh, thought, meditative technique. I would have thought that that was battle meditation. No, that's uh, basically serene. Ah, cool. I would have assumed it was battle meditation, but I guess it's the next best thing. But anyway, um, among Qui-Gon's other force abilities are animal friendship, force healing, uh, the ability to slow his breathing... Um, uh, yeah. And arguably, his most powerful ability is maintaining his consciousness after death. Yeah. Of course, his training was incomplete, so he couldn't appear as a force ghost just yet, but he still did it. he was still there. He was still there, but he eventually gained the ability to become a force ghost. Probably because Yoda taught him. Yeah, pretty much. Um, among his other skills, he is a great pilot, um, he has Who a... Who isn't in Star Wars? <laughs> you know, that's actually a fair point. <laughs> <laughs> and has... And he has a almost photographic memory on things related to architecture and knows the layouts of multiple types of starships. Which that's is... Cool. That, I never would have thought Qui-Gon Jinn, of all people, would do that. Yeah, which is one of the reasons how he and Obi-Wan were able to get off of a Trade Federation ship that they were on. Cool. Yeah. Um... He is also fluent in multiple languages, such as Novellanese, Shurian, Gran, and Shearwolk. Oh, cool. He can speak Wookiee. Yep, he can speak Wookiee. That's cool. Yeah. Okay, now we go back to the rest of his history. Okay. Since, since you have context on what he's capable of now. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Um, during his first several years as a knight, uh, you know, he would just do some missions here and there. You know, doing typical knight stuff and everything. Uh, Yoda recommended that Qui-Gon would, should take in his first Padawan learner. However, Qui-Gon didn't want to rush into anything mm-hmm. just yet. He just, he was all like, I'll, I'll get there when I get there, sort of Like, thing. I'll, I'll do it when I want to do it. Yeah. Um, but he would contemplate Yoda's words for some time while taking solo missions. Um, during Obi-Wan his... Obi-Wan was not his first apprentice. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, during his travels... At around 66 years before the Battle of Yavin, Qui-Gon would travel to the planet of Talios IV, where he would discover a three-year-old boy um, who was the son of one of the most wealthiest men on the entire planet. Mm -hmm. Um, And he would undertake a metachlorian test on the young boy and everything, similar to what he did to Anakin. The metachlorians uh, are somewhat canon in Legends. Yes. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, um, so, you know, he would test him and he would find the boy to be strong in the force and everything. Okay. Um, let me see. Thus, he found that the boy, uh, okay. So, since this boy was strong in the force, he was trying to convince the wealthy man, like, hey, your son is strong in the force. Uh, Give him we, to the Jedi Temple. <laughs> we could uh, take him in and train him to be a Jedi. And at first, the wealthy man was like, mm, no. But eventually, he was convinced by Qui-Gon. He's like, okay, fine. Here you go. <laughs> he probably mind-tricked him. <laughs> probably not. It, it's the wealthiest man on the entire planet. Fair. Um, he probably has ulterior motives. But you never know with these kind of people. Anyway. Um, but yeah, um, he would take this young boy back to the Jedi Temple to begin his training. Um, this young boy would become known as Xanatos. Yes. 
Because Qui-Gon technically had three apprentices. Yep, yep he did. And Xanatos would be one of his most infamous ones, as you'll soon see. <laughs> I've heard a little bit about Xanatos. Yeah. Um, Xanatos proved to be a brilliant student and a promising trainee in the Jedi Temple. Um, however, he had a bit of a brash personality... Um, and his desire, and he had a desire to gain more knowledge and power. Kind of sounds like a certain somebody, doesn't it? Yep. <laughs> and his personality would clash with his fellow students. Mm -hmm. um, despite many people, including Yoda himself, voicing concerns over Xanatos' attitude, Qui Gon was like, "Oh, it's just just a phase. He'll he get over it. Let him do it. his own thing. He'll he'll grow out of it. Don't worry." <laughs> <laughs> Typical ignorant parent. Yeah, pretty much. Um, as time passed, Xanatos exhibited a creativity and tech-savvy mind, which attracted the, the personal attention of Qui-Gon Jinn. Mm -hmm. And he was all like, maybe I should take you as my first apprentice. But, um, yeah, Master Yoda wasn't all about that because, you know, um, they weren't exactly matching personalities. You got somebody who's... All about gathering knowledge and everything. Always looking towards the future. While Qui-Gon is always in the present. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Their personalities clashed a lot in this case. Well, look at fucking Obi-Wan and Anakin. They yeah. didn't get along, right? <laughs> well, before he had came to his decision, he decided to go on one last mission. Where he happened to encounter a undercover Tal. Mm -hmm. And the two, I'm not sure how long apart they were. Probably a long time. A very long time. But they decided to have a nice little drink together where, you know, Qui-Gon would pay her drinks and everything. Mm -hmm. um, and they had this conversation and eventually Xanatos would come up. And Tal was all like, oh, Qui-Gon, I'm not too sure about that. You and him are complete polar opposites. You, I don't think it's a good idea. Yeah, the boy has potential, but you're not a great fit for him. Mm -hmm. And... Probably taking his friend's advice to heart, Qui-Gon would actually take somebody else as his first apprentice. Rail Avaros, right? No, this oh. is Legends. Um, so his first apprentice would actually be the son of a farmer um, named Femor. Oh, I've heard of Femor. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, not, there's not too much known about him except that he's Qui-Gon's first apprentice and he turned out really good. Um... But yeah, Femor... I, for, I forgot about him, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've only seen him mentioned, like, once in a fanfic, and that's it. Yeah. Femor, um... Qui-Gon and Femor were really close master and apprentice and everything. Kind of the exact opposite of uh, Qui-Gon and Dooku and everything. Yeah. Um... And he would successfully train Femor to knighthood and everything. And Femor was your typical humble farm boy and everything. Mm -hmm. Kind of um, like Corso. I suppose, in a, and a little bit of Luke Skywalker. Okay. Yeah, because he was also a farmhand, technically. Yes. Um, and after, you know, um, Qui-Gon successfully trained his first apprentice to knighthood, he gained the position of Jedi Master after that. Cool. Q. Inevitably, though, Jin would circle around back to Xanatos. And he would decide, okay, I already dealt with one apprentice. This should be a piece of cake. I'm going to take you as my apprentice. <laughs> And both of them would train together for several years and, you know, go on several missions together. And I... Okay. Qui-Gon would become a very proud teacher of Xanatos. Mm -hmm. Like, a, a trait he wanted to show... Um, Okay. 
Okay. Because I think he had this sense of pride, like, yes, um, I'm being the kind, caring, naturing teacher that my master never was. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of, I suppose it's kind of his way to show that he's better in a sense than Dooku. Mm -hmm. Which is, I mean, his, his, his heart is in the right place. Yeah, but, his heart's in the right place. But uh, we kind of know where this pattern goes. Yes, we all know where this pattern goes. <laughs> yeah. Um, through his efforts, Qui-Gon thought that Yoda's concerns were unfounded, and Xanato showed great skill with a lightsaber and in the Force on a similar level to Jin. Okay. Despite, you know, being a mere apprentice and everything. Um, the young Padawan had already passed preliminary Jedi Tez, and Jin was ready to welcome him as a Jedi Knight and everything. Mm -hmm. um, though despite this... Xanatos still had his arrogant personality and everything. He was very boastful. He even looked at, at uh, Qui-Gon's previous apprentice, Femor, and saw him as a lowly farmer that was meant to be left in the dust while he rised out of the ashes to ascend to a greater destiny in life. Okay, Axar <laughs> And Anakin, if you think about it. Kind of. <laughs> Yeah, Xanatos is your classical holier than thou Padawan, or like a uh, a uh, somebody who thought he was destined for great things and everything. Um, let me see. Yeah, uh, he sounds like a carbon copy of a cartoon. <laughs> just a little bit. Um, Xanatos is kind of an interesting character. Of course, I haven't dived too much in Xanatos, but uh, he he's kind of a baller. Uh, again, we'll probably dedicate an entire episode on him. Wait on the list. <laughs> but yeah, um, though before Xanatos would be passed to knighthood, he had one final mission to accomplish alongside Qui-Gon. Mm -hmm. um, Qui-Gon, alongside his friend Tao, were summoned to the Jedi Council, and they were given an assignment. Both of them were to head to Xanatos' homeworld of Talios IV. Mm -hmm. Because of, of, there are brief, okay, not brief, there are subtle signs of a civil war slowly brewing on the planet. Okay. And it kind of resulted from the murder of this, uh, what was it, a, uh, uh, crap, um, a peace prophet. Okay. And if, just to keep, just to, uh, put in perspective, a peace prophet, um, on that planet is, you know, meant to keep peace and everything. And she was a very revered figure on the planet. And the assassination, it, it was just an assassination. They don't know who did it exactly. But both sides, there's the, the noble house, and then there were the, um, lower class and everything. Civilians. Civilians. They suspected that the other was responsible for killing the prophet and everything. <laughs> so there was just this slow um, threat of a civil war slowly brewing to the surface. Mm -hmm. And initially, Xanatos wasn't down with going to his home world. But Master Yoda kind of insisted that since you, your father is a noble... he's. Essentially, at this point, um, Xanatos' father is by a man by the name of Kron. And he came from the wealthiest man of the planet to the governor of the planet. <coughs> okay. So it was kind of a uh, test to see if Xanatos was committed to the Jedi Order or if he had other plans. Okay. 
And it was also kind of suspected, even though it was seen as kind of a test for Xanatos, um, Qui-Gon and Tao kind of suspected that there might be more going on to this because sending two Jedi Masters to one world is kind of overkill. Yeah. So yeah, um, they were proven correct because uh, civil there was a huge threat of civil war and they just had to quell everybody down. Like, whoa, whoa calm down, everybody. No civil war here. Yep. And a wall on Italios 4, um, Xanatos would actually gain a close uh, bond with his father and everything. You know, being the governor of a planet, you have that close relationship. Okay. And um, Qui-Gon, uh, there's this famous picture where Qui-Gon... Okay, so you know how in uh, a lot of Mission Impossible movies, the main character has like a rubber mask or something like that? Qui-Gon has his own rubber mask when he's going undercover. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, um, through uh, Qui-Gon's investigations, he found out that there is a, uh, another failed Jedi apprentice that incurred the assassination attempt on the Prophet. Okay. And long story short, um, Kron decided to go into full-out civil war against the populace. And it resulted in a duel between Qui-Gon, Kron, and many of his guards. And, uh, well, let's just say Qui-Gon obviously prevailed against Kron, pushed him into a, uh, a uh, charcoal factory. And the, he didn't mean to kill Kron, but the fall basically killed the man. Okay. And... Let me guess, that's what turned Xanatos to the dark side. Pretty much. Xanatos was like, no, how could you do this to me, master? How dare you? And that is when uh, Xanatos succumbed to the dark side. And Qui-Gon, uh, to put it lightly, he kind of blamed himself for what happened to Xanaton. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh... And this was kind of a point where Qui-Gon, even though he still had Femur... Um, he was so distraught by his failure with Xanatos and everything that he would outright call Xanatos his first apprentice because, oh, Femur was just a flute, but Xanatos, goddamn, he was my true Padawan, but I failed immensely. Hmm. And if, for a good remainder of his life, Qui-Gon would never take another apprentice because he was still kind of uh, <laughs> mourning his loss and everything. Um... Let me see if I could uh, go. Um, I'm never going to take another apprentice. Uh, Wait a few years. Yeah, he was just kind of a sad man at this point. Um, Even at his lowest bow, his friend Tao would actually approach and comfort him. You know, being his rock and everything. Mm -hmm. They would even go on several training missions together and go climbing together like they did back in their childhood and everything. So yeah, even at his lowest point, Tao would still remain Qui-Gon's friend, which I think is really heartwarming. That is really cute. Yeah. Um, and then he had a couple of other missions with his uh, master Dooku and his friend Sifo-Dyas. Um, you know, just having a couple missions and having run unintentional run-ins with uh, the public persona of Darth Plagueis. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Eventually, he came across the, uh, the uh, Shaman of Wills, who taught him kind of uh, the ability to achieve eternal consciousness in the Force. Kind of. Kind of. Not completely, though. Yeah, and this he is... only stayed around as a voice. Yeah, pretty much. Um, eventually, though, in 44 BBY, Qui-Gon would come to find a new apprentice within this young boy named Kenobi. 
Yes. <laughs> Yay. Obi Wan is stuck in the Agricor. Yeah. Initially, he refused to even take consider taking Vaboyan as his apprentice. Yes. In I yet to fully remaster an apprentice, but in that book, Qui Gon is an asshole <laughs> to Obi Wan. Yeah. Yeah. You can see the kind of development, like instead of being this open fatherly figure who wants his apprentice to do the best they can and achieve their dreams and all of that. By the time he meets Obi-Wan, he's just an asshole. Yes, he's an asshole. <laughs> but it's kind of justified because Obi-Wan, in a very similar vein to Anakin when he was his age, uh, he was a very angry young boy. Well, can you blame him? To the point where he would have viciously attack his fellow younglings during saber matches and everything. Oh. Well, he he is angry because he got sent to the Agricor. Yeah. Who would be? <laughs> I would be. But yeah, um, by probably the will of the Force or something like that, both Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan would meet together on some world that they were operating mm-hmm. on. And they decided, okay... I might as well um, work together with you to, uh, to, you know, accomplish this mission and everything. And you seem capable enough, but I'm I'm not going to accept you as my apprentice just yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and Obi-Wan, uh, just to give you an idea of how angry Obi-Wan is. Um, they were, during their mission, they were dealing with his uh, hut, who... Uh, did a, a lot of obvious illegal bullshit and everything. What hut doesn't do illegal shit? And uh, during that entire time, Obi-Wan was all like, can, can we just kill him and save ourselves the trouble? I mean, it's the right <laughs> way thinking about it. I mean, yeah, that's an understandable question, but coming, I mean, compare Obi-Wan as he was a child and Obi-Wan as he is as a Jedi Master, and it's clearly night and day. Yes. Yeah, Obi-Wan would not think about killing the Hutt right off the bat. <laughs> but anyway. yes, it's an understandable reaction. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, um, eventually, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan would go through his mission um, where Qui-Gon would encounter his apprentice Xanatos again. Fucking, I'm back, bitches! And Xanatos, during this time, uh, even though his father was killed and overthrown, he stole the uh, treasure from his home world and made it his own fortune. Mm-hmm. And on that fortune, he became one of the more wealthiest men in the entire galaxy. Oh, shit. And he even founded his own corporation. Uh, well, okay, company. Um, called the Offworld Mining Corporation. Okay. Which does, as the name implies, uh, a lot of mining. He has... Uh, a lot of connections with Huts and with other influential figures in the galaxy. Okay. And uh, it's an entire novel series, which I do not have the time to go through. But <laughs> uh, basically, Xanatos wanted his classic revenge against o- uh, Qui-Gon. Um, and he even, uh, so long story short, he like planted several explosives across his um, mining structure and everything. Uh-huh. And he was planning to kill a bunch of civilians along with Qui-Gon. Um, fortunately, though, Obi-Wan had some genuine ingenuity. And he found a way to basically block out the signal of all of the explosives and disarm all of them. And then Xanatos... Doing the classic Skeletor thing of running away. Yep. <laughs> or, I guess, Nagasadao uh, in this case. Um, and Qui-Gon, he became very impressed with Kenobi. And he decided, okay, you have proven your worth. 
I'm going to take you in as my new apprentice. Now. Fucking took you long <laughs> Oh, man. Um, and then uh, they would go through several other missions going after Xanatos and everything. Um, where they eventually come across Xanatos on his homeworld of Talios 4. Um, they would, Yeah. Um, let me actually show you a picture because they have this climactic duel. And initially, uh, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan were planning to take in... Uh, um, Xanatos, you know, in for justice and everything. Mm-hmm. But Xanatos pulled the hugest fuck you to Gwygon and just fell into the acid pits below. Oh, he pulled a Terminator. Yep, basically. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of a thumbs up, it's the up. <laughs> the fuck bird. <laughs> but yeah, um, Obi Wan and Qui Gon. Um, they weren't exactly close, but obviously Qui-Gon had a good amount of pride in the young Kenobi and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, let me show you a picture of Tal, because she is a really, uh, she's not quite as sexy as uh, Padme or any of the other waifus that I love, but she looks pretty damn cool. There we go. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she looks okay. <laughs> I think she, yeah, I think she's a a very fine looking woman. I like her outfit. Yeah, and her hair is cool. Yeah, her hair and outfit is really cool. Um, even though Qui Gon was starting to move on, you know, gaining more confidence in himself as a teacher, gaining his new apprentice, his fallen apprentice, his greatest failure. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> literally Xanatos's last words to Qui Gon was basically him saying. I have always become your greatest failure, and I hope that lives with you till your dying day. Oof. Yeah, um, even though he has that, Qui-Gon was doing pretty well at this point. However, that would not be the end of Qui-Gon's pain and suffering. Nope. Um, Qui-Gon's uh, friend, Tao, would eventually lose her eyesight during a battle. During a bombing blast and everything. Oh, God. Um, though eventually she would be... Rescued by Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, Tao would uh, be taken back to the Jedi Temple and would have to grow accustomed to her new blindness and everything. Kind of like Kanan Jarrus from uh, Rebels. Yeah, I made mistake. Rael Avaros is Dooku's other apprentice. Ah, okay. Good to know. Um, But let me see. Uh, She would actually uh, find other ways to assist the Jedi Order, like... Uh, she's basically, um, you know those people who give out assignments to operatives and everything like that? Yeah. She basically served as that to other Jedi Knights that were going out in missions and everything. And she briefed them on the planets and governments they were headed to. She was basically the eyes and, well, okay, not exactly the eyes, but she was, (laughs) she was the ears of a Jedi and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, however... She would eventually take on a new apprentice, but they would have constant arguments as Taos would leave her behind to pursue short missions of her own. Mm-hmm. Um, something of which angered both the High Council and Qui-Gon. Because, you know, Tao, uh, she's not taking her role as a teacher very seriously, just, uh, I wouldn't exactly say she's outgoing getting cigarettes like a dad would but (laughs) (laughs) she's out getting milk she's getting the milk and then coming back a couple days later but yeah um Qui-Gon uh he heard that Tao took on this new undercover assignment Mm -hmm. and he was like 
okay, time to get your ass out of there and everything. She, Tao kind of sounds like how, um, fucking name uh, <laughs> Don't urge yourself. Ventress's love interest. Oh, you're talking about Quinlan Voss. Yes. Yeah. Kind of like, like Quinlan Voss. She's yeah. that generation's Quinlan Voss. Yeah, he's pretty always much. Always undercover. Yeah, yeah. That is, you know, yeah. I, I don't I know why the name was not coming. <laughs> Took you a little while, but you got there. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um. So anyway, Tal would go on his undercover assignment, and a cu- couple of weeks would go by, and the Jedi High Council would not get a reply from her, mm-hmm. and Qui Gon. Um, against the advice of a Jedi High Council, went to the planet to retrieve her ass and everything. It's like, eh, I'm going to come get your ass myself. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, Qui-Gon, along with Kenobi, would go to this planet and, you know, they would do the classic uh, investigation assignment, like following leads, trying to figure out where Tao is, and mm-hmm. then bring her out and go back home, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. However, it came a lot more complicated uh, okay. So, it they eventually found Tao. Um, she's still doing an undercover assignment. Basically, her mission was she got a distress signal from these two prominent uh, political figures that were under threat from assassination from an extremist group, basically. Mm-hmm. And she was planning to take... You know, rescue them and figure out what to do later. But things got a lot more complicated when Qui-Gon Jinn came in. Mm-hmm. And uh, Qui-Gon initially agreed with her original plan to take the twins off-world and, you know, take de- deal with the shit on planet. Mm-hmm. But Tal was all like, no, that would be too dangerous. We need to find a safe house for us to, you know, put them at and everything. And Qui-Gon... <laughs> see, he basically... Um, Meet Meta Compromise, where he would allow her to remain undercover. And he would stand by and bring her out in case anything goes wrong and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, Over the years, and during this uh, little brush with death, with Tao and everything, Qui-Gon slowly started to develop romantic feelings to his old childhood friend. After all of that time... 50 years, yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, eventually, uh, Jin and Tao would, ev- would eventually talk in private to assumingly talk about plans and everything. Mm-hmm. But eventually, Qui-Gon was all like, I, uh, <laughs> he was all like, I haven't understand this feeling I just assumed it's because we were close friends, but now I realize if this dangerous situation that we're in, I have developed feelings for you, Tao. And Tao was like, I understand your feelings completely, and I feel the same way towards you, Qui-Gon. <laughs> feel, just insert the Captain Barbosa meme. Just kidding! <laughs> Pretty much. And uh, Qui-Gon and Tao, um, you know, they confirmed their love for each other, ever like, 50 years. Long ass time. A very long ass time. God damn. Qui-Gon has more patience than I did. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway. um, So you know. They have their nice little moment. And they go back to business as usual. Mm -hmm. Um, However. As Tao was set off in meeting. um, An associate or whatever. um, She would be captured. As she was found out to be a mole. Within the organization. Mm -hmm. Um, And. 
Jin proclaimed that he would not ab- abandon her and mounted a rescue mission. Um, though one day he got into the safe house where she was at, it was found out that Tao would be imprisoned within a torture device called the Sensory Deprivation Containment Device. I mean, she's already blind, so... Yeah. Um, it was basically a coffin-like device that, uh, basically, as the name implies, deprives all sensory input. Mm-hmm. And she was also injected with a lot of toxins. So, you know, not great. And she was already blind to begin with. Christ. She would essentially, uh, her body would <laughs> be slow to a crawl and she would be met with utter darkness the entire time. Well, she's already in darkness. She's blind. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. You get what I mean. She but could like, see through the force. Yeah. But she can no longer see through the force. Yeah, it's like, it, I'm picturing, like, the coffin, like, the Mandalorian coffin. Yeah, pretty much. But it's injecting you with toxins 24-7. Christ. Yeah. Fortunately, Qui-Gon Jinn got her out of there, um, and he was able to heal her through the Force enough to eventually limp out of there. Um, however... Even though they were able to save Tao, get her out of the torture device, it took a very heavy toll on her. Oh my gosh, she dies. Um, the doctors um, told Jin that there was nothing more they could do for her. Tragedy. And uh, Qui-Gon stayed by Tao's side while she was in her bed. They held hands for the next couple of hours until Tao completely passed away into the force. Rip. And her last words to Qui-Gon were, Let my last moment be this one. Aw. And Tao, and obviously her death would resonate heavily with Qui-Gon Jinn. For the next couple, well, okay, number one, it left his heart empty. And he would just stayed by her body for the next couple of hours, not even bothering to report back to the Jedi High Council what happened. Oh, God. And Qui-Gon just simply got up, and he had a new sense of vengeance. He wanted to outright murder the people who caused her death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um... Imagine- <laughs> vengeance. Typical vengeance. Yeah, but it, with Qui-Gon, it's especially scary. Because you know the saying, uh, beware the fury of a patient man? Oh, yes. Yeah, that's uh, Qui-Gon right now. Yep. Um, I think there's even this uh, one interaction where he, he, he was basically being the uh, Terminator for the entire time. Just going after these informants and interrogating the fuck out of him and everything. And Qui-Gon just had this cold disposition to them. He's all like, please, if, if, you know, the people he's, he's interrogating were like, please, I have a family and everything. And, and Qui-Gon was all like, well, yeah, well, your, well, your master killed the only family I ever had. Oof. And eventually he came across the target that caused the death of Tal. And he was... About to plunge his lightsaber into the guy's chest and everything. But he heard a voice reach out to him, reminding him that revenge is not the Jedi way. Conscience! And (laughs) he uh, just snapped out of his stupor. Very similar to Dooku when he was his apprentice so long ago. That sounds 
That sounds like it tracks for this fucking lineage. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and he decided to take the man into justice. And a little while later, he uh, approached Obi-Wan. And he's like, thank you for bringing me out from the depths of a dark side. Without you, I don't know what would have happened. And Obi-Wan just looked at him confused. And he's like, I said no such thing, Master. <laughs> it was either his conscience or it was Tao. Yeah, Qui-Gon pretty much came to the conclusion that it was Tao reaching out to him through the Force. Probably. One last time. That was good. Yeah, it's uh, really good. Um, And then later, um, Tao would have his, you know, uh, little funeral service. Uh, she would be taken on a ship. And Qui-Gon, for one last time, he went into the same room as Tao's body. And, you know, reminisced about their times together. And he gave her one last goodbye. Even though, uh, this, he came to the realization that, uh, he had uh, the pain of loss. Um, and grief will never truly leave his heart. Mm -hmm. But one day, he will learn to accept it and live on in his solitary life as a Jedi. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um... Qui-Gon is, uh, he is tragic. We haven't even gotten to meeting Anakin yet. Nope. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he, he's quite, has got quite the interesting life by this point. Yeah. By the time he meets Anakin. Jesus. <laughs> uh, and then, um, uh, I'm not gonna go through too much details because that's the, uh, things I want to read about. Um, I do recall, like, uh, <laughs> we'll eventually do an episode about Obi-Wan, but let's just say he's... Duchess Zatina is not the first person he fell in love with. Yes, we know this. Yeah, and Pharaoh's uh, is... I can't remember her name at the moment, but uh, he fell in love with this one woman, and he wanted to leave a Jedi order for her. But That's two people he wanted to leave the Jedi <laughs> yeah, for. Yeah, and Qui-Gon was trying to speak out to him, and he was speaking from the heart because, you know, he understands the pain and suffering one goes to when you lose a loved one and everything. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> um, long story short, uh, the woman that Obi-Wan was in love with died, so he had to return back to the Jedi Temple, grief-stricken. Oof. Yeah, um... <laughs> Obi-Wan can't catch a break! No, none of them can catch a break. Legends or canon! <laughs> none of these motherfuckers can catch a break. I mean, I unintentionally spoiled myself last night for the Obi-Wan series yeah. by seeing the confrontation he has with vader anakin yeah and it's like oh, <laughs> my heart a lot of people may have uh their criticisms about that certain encounter but i thought it was perfectly done i missed the last part where vader like screams but i i, I need to watch the fucking series now yeah um <laughs> yeah very first encounter was a doozy do you mind if i spoil it go ahead so, uh... It's been a while since it's been out. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, no spoilers here, but... <laughs> anyway, um... So, the very first time Obi-Wan and Vader meet for the first time. Vader... Obi-Wan was hiding still, and Vader decided to flush him out by killing a bunch of random bystanders. Like, he literally pulled a child out of a window, crushing his neck. Christ! And Obi-Wan, uh... Was in this canyon, and he came across Vader, who came out of the darkness, lightsaber in hand. Mm -hmm. And Obi-Wan has his own lightsaber in hand, and he was all like, what have you become? And Vader said, I am 
what you made me. Yep. It was it was such a good monologue. Yeah. From Anakin and Hayden Christensen, which also they intercut Hayden and James Earl Jones's voice. <laughs> yep. It was so fucking cool. It is so cool. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people may have their gripes about the Obi Wan series, but I think it's so good. I need to watch it. I need yeah. to watch it. Yeah. I think you may like it. I'm sure I will. <laughs> but anyway, back to Qui Gon. Um. Yeah, um, a majority of the stories that I will recall are mostly about Obi-Wan and his development as a Jedi. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Qui-Gon giving him the advice and everything. But there's this one mission where uh, both Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon go to this planet. And they were assigned to uh, find the son of his noblewoman and everything. Um, they found that the son was slain by these creatures... Um, I forgive her names at the moment, but Obi-Wan initially spoke out loud saying, these filthy animals, they deserve to die and everything. And a little while later, it's found out that these creatures that were, you know, being slaughtered for their meat and everything were actually sentient. Oh. Yeah, yeah, the noble woman and his son, and her son, uh, were doing a lot of illegal bullshit. <laughs> And just the realization, oh shit, we're the bad guys. Yep, pretty much. And that's, yeah, Obi-Wan had a lot of uh, unquelled rage in his younger days. Yes. It's a uh, <laughs> it's a miracle that he became the, uh, the straight-faced master that we know him as today. Amazing. Yeah. Um, but anyway. Um, Back to Qui-Gon. Yeah. Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan would pursue in a couple of more missions, some that would change the course of galactic history, such as the uh, Stark Hyperspace War, uh, the Yanchori Uprising, and the big one, the Blockade of Naboo. Yep, everyone knows the Blockade of Naboo. So yeah, I'm going to simplify that. Um, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan uh, rescue Padme, stop at Tatooine for a little detour, hyperspace bullshit, um, and meet the chosen one. Meet the chosen one. Bring him back to the Jedi Temple. Jedi Jedi uh, Council were like he's too old, and Qui Gon insisted that he will train him because he deemed Obi Wan to be ready for the trials of knighthood and everything. Yep. Um, and then we know how Qui Gon met his end. Yes. Hang on. <laughs> Hang on. Your moment of glory. Your Good. moment of glory. <laughs> Best <laughs> so, soundtrack ever! So good. So fucking good. But yeah, um, I think I remember this little lore detail in the novelization of uh, Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when, uh, <laughs> when Maul and Qui-Gon were having their one-on-one fight in the reactor room, um, Maul was very... Uh, he was being overwhelmed quite easily by Qui-Gon in his skill of lightsaber combat. Yeah. And the only way he was able to defeat him was that, you know, trick where he just bumped him and then stabbed him in yeah. the chest. hit him in the face, stun him, stab him in the gut. And it, it was kind of interesting because Maul kind of hated himself for giving such a great master a uh, untimely death. He wanted to give him a true warrior's death and everything. I find it amazing that Maul, such a... Very, uh, you know, a character full of hatred and anger and rage. Yeah. He still has honor. Yeah, he still has honor. He has honor for Qui-Gon and he has honor for Ahsoka. Mm -hmm. He has honor for women in general, which is amazing for him. Yeah. 
But that's because, you know, Night Night Brother upbringing. Yeah, I think it's also a fact that uh, Darth Maul is more of a Sith assassin than a true Sith Lord. Yeah. Like, he always engages combat physically, rather than using a force and everything. Yeah, he's more a assassin instead of, you know, like an an Inquisitor. Yeah, I just think it's very fascinating that he wanted to give Qui-Gon a more proper death than what he did. I didn't mean... Uh, I meant, like... Like, if you look at the Inquisitor subclasses... Yeah. Uh, sorcerer and assassin. He's an assassin. Palpatine's yep. a sorcerer. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Sabator's subclasses, I mean. <laughs> and then, of course, um, we know Obi-Wan defeats Maul. Cuts him in half. Didn't didn't stick. Didn't work. <laughs> didn't stick for a good while. Um, and then uh, Qui-Gon made him promise that he'll train the Chosen One, blah, blah, blah. And then we know he passes on to the uh, eternal consciousness of the Force. He was just basically an, a spectator to everything else that was going on in the history of the galaxy and mm-hmm. everything. Like, uh, you know, he was there to witness Anakin slaughtering the Tusken Raiders, telling him, Anakin, no! Yes, when Yoda hears, Anakin, no! <laughs> and... Of course, we know of a Mortis arc where he briefly talked to Obi-Wan and Anakin and all that Wasn't stuff. Wasn't that the, the the daughter, though, kind of appealing to everybody? I, mm, I thought it was the daughter. I don't think so, because I do recall like that one episode where he meets with, up with Anakin, the daughter was dead by then. Yeah. I, mean, I could, need to watch the Mortis arc again. I've, okay, it might be simple illusions here and there, but... Because it's what the the son did to Anakin using, using Shmi. Yeah. It sounds like the daughter would be able to do that, too. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. My interpretation is that Mortis is a huge nexus to the Force, that it provided Qui-Gon the proper conduit to uh, communicate to his apprentice and everything. I, I need to watch more the Mortis arc again. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a a better understanding. It's a great arc. Yeah. And then, uh, more interestingly, he briefly reached out to Master Yoda. Um, So, this is in the uh, Dark Rendezvous book, where Yoda and Count Dooku kind of meet up. And Yoda. Okay, so during his. uh, Dooku's apprenticeship under Yoda, um, Yoda shared with him a little shell. Like, telling him, hey, if you're ever afraid, just remember that the Jedi Temple will always be your home and everything. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, Dooku sent him the shell as an indication, like, hey, I want to come back home. Aww. But Yoda was under the suspicion that Dooku might be setting him up for a trap and everything. But Qui-Gon reached out to him through the Force. Like, yes, it's most likely a trap, but there's also the distinct possibility that Dooku wants to come back into the light and everything. And that's ultimately what convinced Yoda to go back to Dooku and everything. (laughs) Dooku didn't come back to the light. No, but it's actually kind of fascinating because Yoda was this close to get Dooku back to the light side. Yeah, he was very close to getting Dooku back to the light side, but he was too far gone, unfortunately. Unfortunately, but I think it's it's really fascinating that Qui-Gon... Uh, convinced Yoda to reach out to Dooku and give him a chance. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, uh, he reached out to Yoda again uh, in that, what was it? That one arc where Yoda goes on a journey to become a Force ghost and everything. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Um, 
And then again, uh, with Kenobi, when he was doing his training on Tatooine. Um, there's a couple of novel series where he actually legit reaches out to Obi-Wan for the Force, just mm-hmm. telling him, hey, maybe you should do this. Maybe Didn't you, should- you say in one previous episode, uh, from a certain point of view, Obi-Wan was talking to Qui-Gon? Yes. Right, I remember During that. New Hope, where he was uh, <laughs> right next to uh, the, um, you know, the runes of a Sandcrawler and everything. Okay. And then, of course, Qui-Gon was there. Uh, in a certain image, there is a image where Luke was holding on to Darth Vader as they were escaping the Death Star. Mm-hmm. Um, there's literally uh, Qui-Gon with Obi-Wan and Yoda just, um, you know, watching Vader being redeemed back to the light side and everything. That's cool. Yeah. So even from beyond the veil, Qui-Gon is still being a spectator to galactic affairs and everything. And we, we hear him in... The, la- or in the Rise of Skywalker. Yep. In the voices. Mm-hmm, yep. But we don't All talk the about Jedi. that movie. <laughs> but I, hmm. yeah, that's basically all I have for Qui Gon Jinn's story. That was a lot more than I thought. Yeah. I mean, I knew his history was pretty extensive in Legends, but yeah, that was. We're at now. We're at under an hour and a half, so longer than I thought. Yeah. Um. I knew, I kind of knew about Qui-Gon Jinn's story before going into this episode, but it's, it, it just feels so complete. Like, he was full of hope and adventure in his youth. He had his childhood friend, and then he had his experiences with Dooku, mm-hmm. um, you know, like, fuck you, dad, I want to train my own way and not be a abusive master or anything like that. I want to be caring. I want to have friendships and everything. (laughs) And then eventually his his apprentice uh, told him to fuck off and he felt really guilty about it and became this uh, depressed old man and everything. And then he accepted Obi-Wan back again. and Took him being an asshole to do it. Well, I mean, yeah, but it kind of roughed out his edges a little bit. And, uh, and then he admitted his love to his childhood friend. She died. He underwent a uh, quest for vengeance. He brought himself back to the light side. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah, it's, it's just, uh, it feels complete with Qui-Gon. And I legitimately believe that, I believe that he's gone through hell by the time we see him in Phantom Menace. Oh, yeah. Even though, like, me being the, the creative mind, it's like... I always ask myself, what if he had lived? Yeah. What would have happened if he had lived? Yeah. And there are several, you know, AUs and videos of what what would have happened. Yeah. But, you know, I just li- I like thinking about that. No, no, better yet, what if Tao had lived? Would Qui-Gon and Tao have left the Jedi Order to live their peaceful life in peace? Probably not. What makes you say that? Qui-Gon was too dedicated to the Jedi. Oh, I mean, true. But he, I mean, like Obi-Wan after him, he did consider leaving the Jedi Order to, you know, pursue his love with uh, Tal and everything. Yeah, I know. I've seen a lot of fan art pieces of both of them just uh, being mother and and father to Obi-Wan. That's sweet. (laughs) It is so sweet. But yeah, um, that is our episode of Can Mayonnaise Kill a Jedi? Or in this case, uh, how much of an old hermit can Qui-Gon be? Old Hermit. Well, I mean, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) How much tragedy can Qui-Gon Jinn go through? (laughs) 
<laughs> but no, I think it's kind of interesting that uh, a lot of the lineage of Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan have like tragic love interests and everything. Well, I'm not too sure it's about Dooku. Yo- it's Yoda's lineage. Yoda's uh, as lineage. As a whole. Like, I'm... Not too sure about Yoda and his love life. Uh, Dooku kind of had a love life in uh, Legends, but that's not too Just important. Just a little bit. But uh, Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, and Anakin, Anakin. they had their uh, separate love lives. I think Anakin had a couple of uh, crushes when he was in the Jedi Order before he reunited with Padme. Probably. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just so much tragedy, and... They could have, uh, well, especially with uh, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, they could have potentially fallen to the dark side from their love and everything. Yep, but they didn't. And Anakin was the one that did. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, I had a lot of fun with this episode. Unfortunately, I'm not going to ask you what the next episode is going to be because that will be top secret. <laughs> okay. But I will give you one hint. It is a, uh, it's a uh, female-related faction. Is that the night? No, not the night sisters. We've covered the night sisters. Yep. <laughs> and I'll leave it at that note. The gears are turning in my head. <laughs> I can see you just. <laughs> the, ge- the gears are. The gears, turning gears in are my slowly head. turning in your head. Just. <laughs> by the way, I hope you had fun with this episode. Um. Yeah. Um. By the time of this episode will go up, it's long past my birthday. But yeah, happy birthday to me! Happy birthday, Isaac! <laughs> anyway, hope you guys enjoy your day and enjoyed the episode, and we will see you next week. May the force be with you. And this is the way. Bye bye. Bye bye.